We're going to have some fire out songs coming up now. So just hang in there, folks, for some really groovy music with Mick Jagger, me, and Porky Chadwick on WJ. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. How many folks out there? This is Mick Jagger on WJAK. Lauren and Sydney on Party Radio B96, and here we have a guest today. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sounds, sound bites, and little arias of audio we find all over the world. On the air, on the web, on the job, we listen to everything we can get our ears on and then play the best of what's out there for you each week on ReSound. Today is March 12th, and we're going to have a really ring-a-ding time for you today. Hello, this is Stephen Wright. This is the news. Last night, during the evening, we saw a tornado. We don't know what caused it or nothing. Kids say the darndest things. They also say the most surprising, unguarded, and insightful things, which is why they are so much fun to listen to. Okay, woo! That was a nice song. (laughs) Today on ReSound, kids sing opera, they talk about life on a remote island, they opine about running the world. And make no mistake about it, these kids, not shy. Stay tuned. Stereotypes about opera abound, and no one knows this better than the people who love it, sing it, and then have to defend it to their peers, especially if their peers are in junior high. Yes, there are young adults, very young adults, who love opera and sing it better than you might expect. Take a listen. I don't really know what people mean by I don't get opera. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I don't play guitar, but I can enjoy like watching somebody play guitar, and I, I don't play sports. I can enjoy watching sports sometimes. So I don't know why, even though people don't sing opera, I don't know why they don't enjoy it. You know what I mean? How engaging, how exciting, how adorably inviting such a flower. Biggest stereotypes about opera is that it's it's that it's boring it's you know it's for old people it's for rich people oh my god that all the people are fat you know it sounds like screaming it's another stereotype i get from it i don't know what it is about young american people but it seems that they just label it as uncool they will make you to the my name is tom laverrier and i'm a i'm an eighth grader at biddeford middle school This is the first opera that I've ever done. I do not sing in the opera. I have an acting role. My name is Druin Johnston, and I'm 17. I'm 5'6", I weigh 100 pounds, and I have short red curly hair and an eyebrow ring, and my nose is pierced. I have had people just say to me before when I told them I'm a classical singer, they'll be like, but you're not fat. It kind of baffles me that people can still think that you have to be fat to be an opera singer. My name is Jeremy Ramillo. I'm 19 years old. Well, okay, so usually when I mention opera to people my age, they'll start singing really, like, funny, and they'll be like, ooh, you know, like... I couldn't get that note out. 
I think that once you can break the ice over the, the fear part and you get that big bad word opera out of the way and it's not so scary to say it, to see it, or to sing it, it's just a phenomenal expression of what the body can do. I am Melissa Manso and I am the director of Youth Opera Workshop. We're performing an opera at the Biddeford Theatre, and there are going to be three shows. I hope we can make people laugh, because I think laughter is a great icebreaker. We are performing Johann Strauss's comic opera, Die Fledermaus. It's kind of like the modern he said, she said situation, where um, some, some people get drunk and they try to cheat on each other. It's all about revenge. It's so real world. I mean, it's so like drinking and cheating. Like there's so much opera that deals with like real world things. Um, Isn't it yes. funny how the, the guys that are most likely to cheat are also the most jealous? Yeah, it's a very oh, interesting yeah. phenomena. So that's you in this mm. moment. One, two, three. Describe the situation precisely all revealing. I would compare opera music to a sport. If your body is stronger, your voice is going to be stronger because it is so athletic. It's like, it's not just in your throat or your mouth or anything. It's all the way down to your feet, pretty much. I think opera is hard just because, it, well, it's kind of like playing an instrument, except your body is the instrument. So to be a virtuoso at any instrument is hard. Yeah, it's good, Drew, and I feel like you're so anxious. You're holding it. Much better, much better. It's, it's like the Olympics of music. I definitely would say that opera or like, opera music is like the elite ninja force of all music. No, let us count without delay. Yes, right away. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hop, 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 hop. What draws me to opera? I knew it was gonna be music, just ever since when I was a kid. Um, but I guess specifically opera, there's just something about it, just, there's just something about communicating in that manner where it's your own voice getting, you know, getting to people's ears, not, you know, not translated through microphones or whatever. And so there's something about me being the vehicle of that. The first opera I remember seeing was Romeo and Juliet. And I just remember seeing the soprano and just being like, oh, I wish I could do that. When I am singing at my best, I shut everything else out. It's almost kind of like you go to sleep for a second. So you're just singing and you're just, it's, and it feels great. And afterwards you feel, I just feel like great about myself. There's lots of divas. There's so many divas in opera. I guess I wouldn't consider myself a diva, but I guess that's kind of a diva thing to say. So <laughs> my favorite part is the part that I get to be a part of. At the time I'm on stage, I am incredibly drunk. Uh. Come in, beautiful lady underneath. We'll tend you right away. I think I would put it as I'm kind of like, in my school, the opera pioneer. I actually had a seventh grader come up to me and say, wow, you were so cool, I'm going to the show. I think it's cool that I was one of the people that helped them make that decision. Like, wow, like, not on a huge scale, but in his life with that decision, I mattered. Oh, it's opening night. And kind of nervous. Well, Jeremy and I, Jeremy and I have allergies or something and we're congested so we heated up some water and we put some salt in it and we have one of these little baby 
congestion aspirators and we're putting it in our nose. <laughs> it hurts, but it helps clear the sinuses. I am nervous to have an audience this big. Hopefully it is big. As far as I know, ticket sales haven't been as good as we thought they would be. Uh, it's about 14 minutes till curtain. I am I'm kind of nervous. And I didn't have a voice yesterday, but my high notes are there. So they're in me. Good evening and welcome to the opera. Why? Because you're married? What's that? I'm married too. What's stopping us from living? How engaging, how in, how adorably inviting such a flower. I can shower with my kisses here and now. Opera is like its own language. Like, you don't even have to know what they're saying because there's so much passion in the music, which is one of the things I love about it. It's like you can understand what they're saying, or at least what they're feeling. It's like its own little world. People loved the opera. Oh, people right, loved the right. opera. In all the other musicals that I'd been in, my parents had always fallen asleep. This time, they were just like, oh, we didn't fall asleep at all. It was great. How could he fall asleep? If I'm not singing, and I'm probably thinking about it somehow, or it's going to come up. Everything in my life ends up reminding me of opera. That is my life, so it just, it's always there. Opera Underage was produced by Alex Blair as a student at the Salt Institute for Documentary Studies in Portland, Maine. Hi, too. It's Carrie. Um, I was wondering how you'd say, Welcome to Alert Bay. Um, I'd like you to close your eyes. To an adult, life on a secluded island might sound peaceful and romantic. But if you're young and curious about the wider world, it might just sound narrow and isolated. The kids of Alert Bay, a town of about 1,300 people on a remote island off the west coast of Canada, know intimately the ups and downs of their particular geography. A day's travel to the nearest city, Alert Bay is the home of the Native American Namji's First Nation. <laughs> Intrigued by the complexities of life in Alert Bay, producers from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation gave five young people, ages 11 to 17, tape recorders and asked them to tell the story of where they live. Here's My Life So Far. This is the grass, the crunching of the grass. That was a bird that just flew by. Alert Bay is a mountain, a forested mountain. <laughs> I don't know. 
what is it? This is the noise the water makes between the boats and the dock. It's a place full of family, if you're related. It's a place full of friendly people. Kwakwala is my native language. There's not very many people that speak it anymore at all. It's really dying. My papa used to call it God's Island because when you go down to the point and there's snow on the mountains, you can see God's face in the snow. Alert Bay. Close your eyes. You can hear it. Hello, world. This is Alvin Stevens. I'm in Alert Bay at a soccer field near a school where I go to. The school is called the Tlisalagilak Secondary Program, and it's right next to the elementary where my mother used to go. Yeah, it's really beautiful up here. You can see the mountains, the trees. Just go down this hill. Bit of a long walk down the hill, but I can take it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of berries around here too. They're called salmon berries. They look exactly like raspberries and blackberries, but they're all different colors. Yellow, red, a little bit of brown. Oh, there's somebody working here. <laughs> Coming up to the graveyard, which is at the bottom of the hill almost. Yeah, we raise a lot of totem poles here for other tribes too, even. The Haidas came here a couple months ago and they raised one here for us. Now I'm just going by the... Yeah, that's what happened. Hi, Noreen. Yes, okay. See what I mean? Hi. Just say hi. <laughs> what are you doing? Recording. Oh, okay, sorry. Hi, too. It's Carrie. Carrie Ann? Um, I was wondering how you'd say, welcome to Alert Bay. Um, I'd like you to close your eyes. Kwakwala is my native language. There's not very many people that speak it anymore at all. Uh, there's not very many in my generation. There's probably none, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really dying. <laughs> my granny used to speak it to me when I was little, but I haven't used it in... A good four years. Uh, yeah, it's for um, the radio. They wanted to know how I'd say close my eyes, but I didn't know how to say close my eyes. I didn't know how to say eyes. I love that everyone's related, and I love how beautiful it is and how quiet it is. You know, I always want to leave here. I just want to get away for a while. But as soon as I leave, I miss it. I'm like after being away for about a day, I miss Alert Bay already. Like when I go to the city, I try to go to sleep and I can't because I'm not used to all the loud noises here. It's just always peaceful. My mom has been trying to get me out of Alert Bay because, you know, there's a lot of bad things that go on here, but at the same time, everyone says it's a beautiful place. Gila Kasla Lachin Yeliskata. Oh, you got it right there. Now, for the close your eyes part, that's a harder one for me, too. 
because I've never had to hardly use my language, but I do know it. But you know who else would really know it would be your uncle. Yeah, they're not Harry, home either. Harry, but I don't know if you could talk to him. He might be laughing at us. He knows bigger words. Yeah, so how do you say close your eyes? I'm trying to think. A tumsie. A tumsie? That's closing your eyes. A tumsie da. Okay. Close your eyes. Uh-huh. A da. Yeah, that's you got it. A da. I can't remember what year it was. Um the government said that our people couldn't speak our language and do our dances. We're trying to keep our culture alive. We don't want it dying off again, so they're like teaching all the younger kids to keep their culture alive. My Kwakula teacher said that um, they used to get smacked for speaking our language and like with steel rulers they would get smacked in school. It's sad because um, Vera Newman, she started crying telling us that story. Vera Newman, the matriarch of compassion. So family is very important around here. Family is very important to me. Um, In my lifetime, I have ventured out to the big world and I found a lot of dear friends, good friends, and but I realized that the best friends you can have is your immediate family, your own family. Was there a favorite, a most important person in your life? Well, I guess I'd have to say my grandmother's. Um, I just speak about my grandmother just about every day. I think back of what they were willing to share with me once I changed my own lifestyle and took time to be with them. Um, do you have any regrets? Yes, I do. I regret partying from age 18 to 32. I feel that was a complete waste of time. and I could have spent more time with my grandmothers and my, the old people and learned much more you know, about our culture and our history. But what I do know, I share with the people. You're an oldest son of a student of mine. I was your mom's teacher when she was four years old, and I was a teacher at Nimkis Nursery School. And she was part of the first group of young people that came through our school when we turned it into a cultural school. So when I know that you're Linda Warnick's son, well, you're darn right, so you're going to be special to me. Um, is there anything that you've never told me but want to tell me now? <laughs> um, you know, whenever they call the Namgis up and whenever they call your Grandpa Ruben's family up, I don't want you to sit in the back of the big house and peek around the totem pole Whenever there's a time when our tribe's called up, I want to see you up there proudly, and that would make me feel real proud. Yeah, I love doing that. Uh, I try to learn the songs as we go, but, you know, I get some of the words. <laughs> well, that's okay, hon. Some of us started when we are way older than you. It's your right. It's your right. We didn't take it from anybody. It belongs to us. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to have a rebirth of our culture. People working. It's always a good sound. Hey there. Mind telling me what you're building? We're building a boardwalk. You see that boardwalk way down at the end? This is what it's going to look like when it's finished. Yeah? Yeah. Well, my name's Alvin. 
Oh, Henry Oh, yeah. You're yeah. probably my cousin. I'm, I'm Linda's son. Linda Wanick. Oh. Yeah. So you're uh, a crazy Wanick, too, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, Ruben's your grandpa? Yeah, that's my grandpa. That's my first cousin. Yeah, we got a big family. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. An island full of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Uncle Ed, Uncle John, Uncle Gideon, Uncle Max, and then my late sisters were uh, Auntie, Auntie Lydia, Auntie Kitty, then my mom. Cool, cool. Well, you behave yourself. Yeah, definitely. Stay away from the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad stuff. <laughs> okay, we'll see you. Take yes. care. Eh? Yeah, later, Henry. Yeah. You know what he meant. <laughs> Being a teenager on the small island alert bay is it's a little bit hard because there's nothing to do for us. So a lot of teenagers go out and they drink and some even do drugs because there's nothing else to do here. People get so bored. We have one grocery store. We don't have anything. We used to have a mini golf, an arcade, and we don't have that. We used to have a movie theater. We don't have that anymore. There's nothing really to do here for us. And there was a worker, my Auntie Shelley, was trying to figure out things for us to do around here. But she doesn't work with the band anymore. So she was our only, only person that really cared about us, I guess. Well, I'm 15 years old and I'm hoping to move to Victoria to go to school, maybe becoming an accountant because I like working with numbers and I love math. It's kind of hard being a teenager in Alert Bay. We need more things to do. Hi, this is Gloria Hun, and I'm outside interviewing my cousin Jasmine and my cousin Chantel and my sister Nola while they're on the trampoline, which is sort of hard. First of all, um, what are you guys doing? Jumping on the trampoline. <laughs> Jumping on trampoline. Do you like doing this? Yes, yes. it's fun. Um, do you sometimes sleep out on this thing? Yes. Um, um, okay, Chantel just about fell off. God, they're too crazy. Um, they're not even paying attention. <laughs> just okay, I'm here. Was there a time when you didn't like me? Yeah. Nola, you don't like me sometimes. Because I'm so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, she's my sister, so I guess so. <laughs> Hey everyone, my name is Alvin. I used to be kind of a prick, actually a big one. Now I'm actually kind of nice, but uh, don't get treated that way. Well, at least I didn't get treated like the people in the residential schools, which is where I am right now at St. Mike's can ask anybody what went on here and they probably wouldn't tell you it was that bad. Yeah, it's a very old building. Uh, it says 1929 on the top of it in the front door. It's a brick building, painted white, but it's all coming off and you can see that burgundy kind of color. 
Didn't look like it was painted very well. There's a lot of paint on the windows. <laughs> yeah, they turned this place into a lot of different things since it was closed. And uh, people used the basement for a carving shed. Yep, it's uh, pretty useful now. Uh, guess it was useful to certain people back in the day. But we've got, uh, we took it over, <laughs> thank God. Hi, I'm Gloria Hunt. I'm in the St. Michael's building. It's haunted and very old. It used to be a school. And, um, it's sort of creepy in this room. Over the very top of the school is very, very scary, and the basement's very scary. Yeah, I get a feeling of a haunting in this place, but who doesn't? <laughs> it's a residential school. For people who don't know what those are, it's uh, where native children were taken from their parents and put kind of like a boarding school for, for bad kids, but we weren't really bad, we were just us. And they didn't like that, so they put us in there and tried to make us them. We kind of are them now, but you don't uh, think of it that way. Guess they did a good job, huh? At least we got our potlatch, though. At least we have our art and our language. At least we have each other. Which isn't uh, much of a least. It's, uh, it's pretty good wealth, but uh, not everybody on the island is uh, so cheerful. <laughs> They gave us money, but my grandma didn't get hers yet. My grandpa didn't get his. Maybe because they're not living on reserve anymore. A lot of it's uh, kind of unfair, but uh, I'm not in power. I have no power. <laughs> this is Gloria Hunt and Mariah Smith, and we are on the boardwalk in front of the police station just recording some waves and traffic that'd be so cool if we um heard a whale on this alert bay close your eyes and you can hear it that means my Indian name, and welcome to Alert Bay. In Kwakwala, Alert Bay is said Yalis, which means woman with her legs spread, but it's because of the shape, not anything dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's also the name of our passenger ferry that we used to get to school. <laughs> To go to school, you have to take a ferry that leaves at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's 45 minutes long. Just to go to school, you, an hour and a half of each day is spent on a ferry. And you better be there before 8 because Danny will leave whether you're just standing on the dock. She'll, she'll drive away. She has a schedule to keep. 
day at the docks for you. Throw a loop under. Uh, so uh, what are you up to today, Arnie? Oh, just pulling my net on, getting ready to go get some food fish. And how much do you usually catch? Every year I bring in around 2,000 fish for the community, just on the gillnet. And you give that away for free, right? Yes, I do. I give it all away for free. Uh, it's costly at times with the fuel a dollar fifty a liter now, so it's pretty hard to do. And my two sons, Leroy and Dan, they've been fishing with me, but it's pretty tough to keep them in the industry when there's no opportunities for us in the commercial fishing industry, so they've moved on and doing other things. Yeah, it's rough fishing out here, especially with the population going down. What's your boat's name? Well, this one here, I lease it now. I had to sell my boat because I couldn't afford to keep it any longer. My boat used to be the Valerie. It was an old classic wooden double-ender. Now this belongs to the Guawi tribe. He has leased it to me for the year. And, uh, I, you know, one of the greatest things is that he wants food fish. So I'm doing it for him too as well. So it's kind of like a barter system. Yes, exactly. Okay, no, we're done going. for now. Uh, signing yeah. off. Nukwa amankweokwa gila kasla get men yili skata. Are you recording? Acham zida. You're recording, eh? I am too. This is Jacqueline. I'm here at Gator Gardens also known as Ecological Park. I'm walking on the boardwalk right now. I always have a Oh, there's dragonflies. There's two, three of them. Three blue ones. Really pretty. Yeah, there's a lot of moss on these trees. I guess that's the old man's beard. I see bubbles coming out of the swamp. What other? Oh, there's huckleberries. They're little, tiny red berries. They're very tasty. Takes a long time to pick them, though. Looks like these are rabbit traps. I love walking through these trails. It's one of my favorite things to do. These trees that are bent over. They're uh, CMTs probably. It's a culturally modified tree. People strip them and use the cedar. There's something living there underwater. A frog. Dragonfly. Can't see it. This is Jacqueline Maddelpy. I'm sitting here with Carrie Ann, and we are going to talk about her life. Are you currently employed? I am with ShopRite and Rona, working in hardware right now, actually. Oh, cool. I used to work there as well, as you already know. <laughs> well, what are your plans for the summer? Well, my plans for the summer is basically to hang out with my friends, despite my mother's antics. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> I'd like to hang out with you more. Yeah, it would be really nice, but, you know, my mom keeps me on a short leash. Maddie, my dog, has a longer one, actually. <laughs> yeah. She can actually go outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what is your first memory of me? Well, my first memory of you is probably sitting outside the bingo hall <laughs> at all hours of the night, yeah. waiting for our grands to be done, eating craft dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Going to the pool hall? Yes, I remember those days. Um, what are your plans for the future? What do you plan on doing after graduating? Or do you plan on graduating? 
I do plan That's on okay. graduating. That's okay. Well, what, what are your plans after you graduate? I plan to go to UVic and do a minor in health science and then probably go to Africa and help the African kids. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Is there anything that you've never told me but want to tell me now? I plan to do everything in my power to make sure that the drugs in Alert Bay plummet a little bit. Yes, yes. Drugs is a serious problem in Alert Bay. I, re- I know that. Surrounded by it. Lovely town, though. It is a lovely town, and people don't see the drugs, so it's okay. Do you have any regrets? Yeah, I do. I regret um, not having more fun, actually. Yes, I know. You need to have more fun. You need to get out more. I never see you. I see you around ShopRite, that area. It's the only time I see you. It's the only time I'm allowed out. (laughs) (laughs) Only place you're allowed to go. Yeah. Until 10, but they call every hour, you know, make sure I'm not doing anything. And then when 10 comes, oh God, heaven forbid I'm still outside. There's boogeyman's. Yes. Does she really think I'm going to be doing drugs? Honestly, I'm a health nut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I think this is the end of our interview. So thank you for telling me about your life. You're welcome, Jacqueline. Alert Bay, close your eyes, you can see it. I believe in God, I believe in the the spirits that our people talk about. I've had a cleansing. One of my grandpa's friends, he, um, he did this kind of ceremony with smoke and feathers. He, uh, put it over my head, basically, and dropped it on me, like sprinkled it, kind of, how you would on a cupcake. And um, he sang an Indian song, and uh, I guess he, I guess he cleansed me. I believed in all of it, and I still do. It basically just uh, was to make me hit a bottom so that I can uh, find my way to the top, because I didn't like the bottom. I don't think anybody does. (laughs) But it's not so easy. <laughs> it's, uh, it takes work, and not the same kind of work you would carving a canoe or chopping down trees, nothing like labor. It's uh, taxing on the spirit, taxing on the heart. I stayed away from drugs, too, so now, anyway. So uh, it's probably going to get better from here. I'm here at my house, and I'm just on the swing recording some sounds. Here are the sounds. What else can I say about Alert Bay? I'm surrounded by water. The ocean. When I was younger, I used to go swimming almost every day. I'd jump off the dock right into the ocean. It'd be freezing, but you'd get so used to being cold that you'd be warm. I don't think that's healthy, but I used to do that every day. And I'd always have a whole bunch of cuts on my legs from all the barnacles and scrapes, bruises from swimming every day, climbing up on the dock. 
I'm just being young. My life so far, I guess, in one word, I would say my life has been difficult. It, it's been good. I've had a lot of good times in my life. My friend is Gloria. My name is Mariah. I am 11 years old. My Indian name is Zaitwalaga. I don't know what it means. The thing I like the best about my life is um, that I'm living it. One thing I want to say a little about Alerpe is, you know, a lot of people say it's bad here because there's a lot of alcoholics, druggies. I mean, a lot of people don't have jobs here because there is not very many jobs here. And, you know, it's a bad place, but at the same time, it's a good place. Hi, this is Gloria Lynn, and I am very involved with our culture. My life so far is happy. My life in Alert Bay, it's been awesome. Yeah. Especially when I was little, it was a lot more fun, but now I think I want to just get out of here for a while. My life so far, there's too much. So, there's my radio diary, okay? That's enough for now. As you can hear, the waves are crashing. It's really windy. Drowns out the heat. Yeah, it's a nice place. Good to vacation. Good to live even. Even when it's rainy, it's nice. It's like pizza. It's good even when it's bad. My Life So Far featured Alvin Stevens, Jacqueline Matilpe, Carrie Ann Stouffer, Gloria Hunt, and Mariah Smith. It was produced by Teresa Goff, Lindsay Michael, and Neil Sandell. To read an interview with these producers, visit thirdcoastfestival.org. Coming up after the break, what would happen if kids ruled the world? Stay tuned. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. So far, we've heard kids who sing opera and kids who live on a remote island. Why stop there? Why not kids running the world? No small concept, but a fascinating one for composer and sound artist Alessandro Bassetti. Bassetti asked a number of children, in a number of ways, a number of questions. Among them, what would you do if you were in charge? And what would it be like to live in a country run entirely by children? Then, in his usual style, he turned their voices into music. You're the king. I am. No, you're the king. I you're the queen. No, I am. I am. <laughs> I am the king. It's him. She's the king. No, I'm the king. You're the king. You're no, you're the king. I you're the queen. Not. I am the king! Kingdom. 
Former ReSound producer Delaney Hall spoke with Alessandro about his project, which was commissioned after the election of Barack Obama in 2008. So I guess first just tell me a little bit about how Children's America started. What was the genesis and where did the idea come from? So the idea came from uh, Markus Euger, the producer of German radio, that called me once and said, look, you've been living in the U.S. in the past two years, and we want a piece about the change that's happening in the country. At that time, America was in all media, like seems every media <laughs> in, in Germany or in Europe was looking for an America piece. And then it just came out this idea like, oh, okay, I'd like to make a piece, but switching an element, we're going to talk about the change, but this place is just inhabited by kids. This place is just run by, like, below 12 years old. And there is another, another thing, which is um, I always loved a piece from an Italian writer that made, I think, in the 60s called Giochi di Fanciulli, so Children's at Play, and was a radio play that he made for Italian uh, public radio in the, in the I think it was, it was the 60s. And he had kids, like he built a, like a playground in a studio, and they recorded uh, kids playing for for days. And uh, he made a collage of uh, all these kid voices and through the collage and through the games and their little rhymes and he reconstruct the story of uh, the life of a man and a woman. And of course all the themes of violence and love and birth and death and war, competition, exclusion from society are all there. And um, I always loved that piece a lot and I was thinking, oh, I'd like to make a homage to, to it. Well, where did you find the kids that you interviewed? Through a friend uh, in New York, I had a chance to enter uh, into summer camps and spend a couple days on each one. So that was like being there all day long. And uh, and then a couple situations also through, yeah, like we, we organized little parties or a situation where kids had a chance to be together for some times and play and act out a certain situation that I given to them. Mm, yeah, what kind of questions did you ask them? Well, I had a series of themes that I wanted to touch. I wanted to hear about politics, I wanted to hear about environment, I wanted to hear about immigration, I wanted to hear what kind of government do they wanted. I wanted to hear about war. I wanted to hear about what I think about family and love. Uh, so I was kind of giving a f- frame sometimes. And what I realized pretty soon is that kids are very, they're very meandering. They, they, they talk about it maybe for a split second and then they go somewhere else. And they're very extremely lucid, but you gotta, you gotta go with the flow of where they're going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 my attempt to keep the, the interview structured in a way was has a lot of limits and I had to kind of see where it was going. But also my, my main uh, thing that worked out sometimes, and, uh, it was to switch from the descriptive form to the first person form. L- let's say... I, w- I would give them a frame like, okay, there is this place and it's run by kids doing the government, doing the defense, doing the um, managing the resources. How do you imagine this situation to happen? Uh, kind so of like theater. 
kind of like theater. And they, they of course, most of the time would go like, oh, it would be like this. There would be a lot of wild animals running around and we have to defend ourselves or there would be this and that. But th there was always a moment and it came in different ways where they were going, they were starting out something and they would say, oh, I'm going out the door and there is there is this gigantic invasion of animals and I gotta organize <laughs> my friends. So mm -hmm. can you come and bring some weapons and you uh, please close all the doors and the windows. Mm -hmm. And so it, it went into a first person, like I am doing it, this is happening. So when that happened, that was uh, successful to me, so yeah. That was Alessandro Bassetti speaking with ReSound producer Delaney Hall. Here's an excerpt from Children's America. Sort of acting like you're grown up. Acting more like a grown up than the other kids there. And then, but because they were acting, because if they're acting like a grown up, it would be a really big responsibility. And you'd have to think it through for a while and like what should he do next and, and if he was a grown-up it takes a little bit less time because he starts to plan ahead sort of acting like a grown-up acting more like a grown-up than the other kids and then, but because they were acting, because they were acting like a grown-up, it would be a really big responsibility. And you'd have to think it through for a while. And like, what should he do next? And, and if he was a grown-up, it takes a little bit less time starts to plan ahead. Black, wood, orange, uh, white, and 
black. Black and uh, black and grayish color. And black, white, orange, uh, white, and black. Black and uh, black and grayish color. And black, white, orange, uh, white, and black. Um, no, black and uh, black and. Nah, I want grayish color. And black, white, orange, uh, white, and black. Black, and uh, black, and I don't know. Grayish color. And. Black, white, maybe sometimes. Orange, uh, white, and maybe black. Black, and, uh, black, and, uh, grayish color. And, black, white, yeah, hello. Orange, uh, white and black. Black and uh, black and grayish color. And black, white. Help. Orange, uh, white and black. Black, probably, and uh, black and grayish color. And you're the king. I am. No, you're the king. I you're the queen. No, I am. I am. <laughs> I am the king. And, and, um, That's democracy, not dictatorship. I am the king! Maybe we should just become communists. You're the king. Democracy is like a monarchy, but just with more people. I am the king! Dictatorship. One leader. Yeah, really strong. No, you're the king. I you're the queen. queen. There's one boss that really like one big boss. And them. She's the king. There's that one. like lives in Antarctica. One big leader, which should be me. I am the king! And them, she's the king. No, I'm the king. She's the king. When the dictator retires, he chooses who wants to be the next dictator. She's the king. No, I'm the king. 
communism. No, no. not communism. We're not communism. No, bad idea. Just because there's not been a successful one. Yeah, that means Monarchy. there won't be a successful one. I am the king! And, um, monarchy. You don't know, then why are you, like, going for it? Do you even really know what monarchy is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I find it very strange. There, that there's a king boy and a queen girl sitting on two thrones. I am the king! And, um, they help you if you need help. You're the king. You're, no, you're the king. You're the queen. Once and for all, they're going to be the president until in November or any week will be the next election. It's November the 2nd. I think we should be run by Smokey the Bear. You're the king. You're, no, you're the king. You're the I am the prince. Okay, well, I'm the prime minister. I'm the prime minister. We are royals, and that means we are royal blood. And the dirty bloods stink. <laughs> It's organized like this. Every 12-year-old would rule some of the state. Yeah. So as soon as you turn 12, the empire would extend. So like when you're 11, you get all these special privileges of owning a little part of the world. Yeah, like a city. Like like one person could own Kathmandu. And then they would like split them up into different states actually. Somebody would own like Manhattan, somebody own a little bit of other cities. Queens. Yeah. Kingdom. Dictatorship. That's democracy, not dictatorship. Dictatorship. One leader. Maybe we should just become communists. some kind of dangerous animal was attacking their city or something like that. They wouldn't have a place to live because the animal or invader might be messing up their city so they couldn't run it. There are lots of wild animals that are running around, but they're not exactly mean. Bids. Deal. Uh, oh, bell, fish, that's it.
pug. Yeah, pug. <laughs> a pug is a dog. Dog? Obedient? Four cats. <laughs> Crocodile? Uh, aggressive? <laughs> All kinds of animals. Live with the animals and get part of them. <clears throat> Be a little more like them. Learn from them. Children's America was composed and recorded by Alessandro Bassetti for WDR, a radio station in Berlin. To read an interview with Alessandro, visit thirdcoastfestival.org. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxine. This episode was produced by Delaney Hall and Dennis Funk. The program is curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else. Hi there, I'm Dennis Funk, the producer of ReSound. Have you ever been stuck in a tight space? Cornered, squeezed, or maybe comfortably swaddled? Either literally or figuratively? Well, if you have, we want to hear your stories for an upcoming episode about tight spaces. Call in and leave us a message on 312-948-4653 and your story might just be part of the show. Again, that's 312-948-4653. Hopefully we hear from you soon. Cheers.